Never mind about football. How are you? I'm all right. Yep. Uh, on the road still in San Francisco at the moment. One hotel after another. Sorry we couldn't do a show after the Manchester derby. Uh, the Pacific time zone got the best of us, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, it did. And uh, a very heavy schedule. So, uh, But I will be back in Blighty soon. Nice. Uh, to uh, to get on the terraces and chant, Jose out. <laughs> <laughs> are, are we are we are we there yet? Um, much like uh, the Pacific Time Zone got the best out of best of us, Pep Guardiola got the best of Jose Mourinho, didn't he? Yeah, an absolute battering for forty minutes in that game. Yeah, City completely on top in the opening. Well, definitely opening half an hour. I suppose most of the first half. Um, oddly slow start from United. You know, it, it almost felt United just weren't very coherent uh, and. Um, that hadn't been what we'd seen from the United team to that point. Uh, you know, very different display. Uh, and then I suppose, you know, the credit goes to City for doing what City now do under Pep. He's very quickly turned them into a Pep side. I mean, it is absolutely remarkable. I'm sure people were sick of hearing about this, but it really is remarkable how quickly they looked like a completely different football team. And it makes a complete laughing stock of Van Gaal's uh, three-month principle. Um Pep is clearly a much better communicator of ideas. Um, it, I was talking about sat on the terraces. I was sat on the Stretford End for that one, which was uh, in, in Stretford End Upper, which was uh, brilliant for atmosphere, especially as United rallied and there was actually a really good atmosphere in there. Um, but it was also brilliant in terms of looking at the tactics of the game and they were completely fascinating from start to finish. Uh, Rob Pollard said to me the week before that... Pep played with his uh, wingers extremely wide and he really wasn't exaggerating. So even if the ball is uh, as far away as it could be on the right-hand side, Nolito's still hugging the touchline on the left and the consequences of which, so obviously United's uh, fullbacks pull in to make a kind of compacted back four and there's just a huge amount of space. So if they can get the ball out there quickly, then the space kind of concertinas out as the fullback goes across and then the centre-backs have to catch up with them. And that just was exactly what did for United. Um, and I feel like my, my working assumption for this game was that it would take less time for Mourinho to impose his style of play and his instructions on the team than it would Pep, and that would serve us well. But actually, I think we really struggled with Jose Mourinho's instructions because it looked to me like the instructions were sit deep, don't even start pressing until they're well into your half. But... United just weren't disciplined enough for that um, and would, like, especially Rooney, starts tearing after people and pressing really yeah. early on. Well, you know, that is as Rooney does, isn't it? It impresses some people, apparently. Um, the, the the big personnel decision was around McTarian and Lingard. It uh, seemed an odd one. McTarian, having apparently been injured on international duty, came in for his first start in the derby. It kind of showed. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and another like pet theory of mine is that they um, he was always saving Mkhitaryan for this game. He was always going to play Mkhitaryan in this game. Um, and that was the plan all along. But yeah, the, the ring rust was evident. And Lingard. And Mkhitaryan actually grew into the half. By the end of the first half, he looked a lot better than he'd done in those shaky early periods. But Jesse Lingard was a total mess. Uh, and, you know, that I, I, I love the kid. Um, I'm a, I really am rooting for Lingard. Um, I was so delighted when he scored in the FA Cup final, but 
that performance was really shocking. I think he said something about it on social media afterwards, apologising. Yeah, uh, when are we going to see him next? Might not, might not be in 2016. <laughs> um, Mourinho being a manager who definitely bears grudges. So, yes, horrible yeah. performance. Uh, and then elsewhere, I mean, Pogba, quiet, although not as bad as some of his performances have been. It, this is becoming a concern, right? So um, uh, we can push it forward through to... Uh, the game against Watford, also very quiet there. And they still haven't found his role. So he was deep against Manchester City, much further forward against Watford. Uh, the tactics changed against Watford, which I guess we'll get on to. Um, so they haven't found the role that Pogba needs to play. Uh, Fellaini, clearly OK when he doesn't have to defend. You know, he's actually had a decent season, as long as he's not defending. McTarrion and Lingard so rusty to come into this game and, and Rooney herring around like a headless chicken. He's going to work until his, his legs actually fall off. There's just no quality in those legs, is there, anymore? Um, and Ibrahimovic, well, you know, Mourinho said one chance, one goal. It's not been the case, has it? He's actually needing several chances and getting them and still getting some goals. But uh, there's, there's some definite... I mean, it's not just three de- defeats in a row. I think especially in the Watford game... Uh, and and uh, you know partly in the Manchester City game, it's the coherence of United's defending as a team and the ability to take chances up front, and those two things kind of usually combine to not great results. Yeah, um, I mean Ibrahimovic scored an amazing goal in the in the Manchester derby. It was a, like a stunning finish, and then a few seconds later, um, he obviously thought that there was no one between him and the goal when Bravo made a second howler in quick succession, and uh, Lingard, uh, I think. I think Ibrahimovic was surprised that Lingard had slipped the ball across to him. And I really do think that was the Zlatan principle in effect, really, because I I think Lingard saw Ibrahimovic there and that really influenced his thinking and made him pass when he might have shot if it had been someone less kind of obviously dramatically imposing in his peripheral vision. There's a kind of unconscious decision there and it was probably the wrong one. Uh, But Ibrahimovic obviously still probably should have done better and I guess he would have done if he'd known Stones was there. And then actually there was a guy I really thought United wouldn't go on to win that game because Bravo looked a total mess at that point. Well, we talked about it in the preview, didn't we? I mean, it's, it's such an obvious call. I, I don't know. I mean, he's he's in his thirties now, brother. I don't know that he's suddenly going to develop any kind of quality uh, in the air, right? So he's been bought because he's great with the ball at his feet. Awesome. I mean, we know what tactics every team that plays Manchester City is going to adopt now, don't we? It's just they won't get the ball for 85% of the time. Yeah, and in Pep's defence, one of the reasons they won't get the ball is because their goalkeeper's so good with his feet. Like it, it, it will make a huge difference to their ball retention. That's why he prioritises it so highly. Yep. Yeah, so United much better in the second half. Yeah. I think that's fair to say. I mean, you know, obviously getting the goal just before half-time really helps with the the kind of sense of confidence and actually finally in the game. Um, And then um, made some changes. Herrera and Martial came on. A lot more coherence to United's attack. Um, and, And, you know... Could could have got something out of this game. I'm not sure on the balance of everything they would have deserved it, um, but much better after after the break. Yeah, Herrera and Rashford came on at half time, and Rashford started absolutely tearing City apart. And very quickly after that, Guardiola took off Iheanacho, completely changed it, and that completely like United were brilliant for the first ten minutes after the second half. But as soon as that substitution happened, United were full of. Um, 
they they made chances, but they were also conceding. City were good as well after that. You know, it wasn't a complete game of two halves in that sense uh, that United somehow totally dominated the second half. Um, but it was just interesting to watch these two managers go tactic for tactic. And Mourinho started putting, um, started getting uh, the United players to man mark City's back three as it was when Bravo had the ball. So Pogba, Ibrahimovic and Rooney were all on a player each. Um, or Rashford, Ibrahimovic and Rooney were on a player each because Rooney was playing wide on the right in a 4-3-3. Uh, one of about 40 positions he's played in the last uh, week and a half to try and crowbar him into the side, even though he should be nowhere near it. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, uh, for England, Rooney said uh, that... Uh, what, what did he say? He was happy playing in midfield. Um, and Allardyce said, I'm happy he, he can play anywhere. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, talk about a starstruck manager. So I'm not sure he's playing anywhere, right? I mean, he's all over the place, but uh, there's, there doesn't appear to be a defined role and he's not very good in any of them. So, I mean, as I said, his, his single trait at the moment is that he's going to work harder than everyone else. You cannot fault that. Nope. I mean, except it's just, there's a total... Total lack of discipline, which doesn't help United at all. He's become Steven Gerrard. That is exactly what has happened to Rooney. He's become latter-day Steven Gerrard, a a player that shouldn't be in the team anymore, that's in the team because of sentiment and reputation and contract and status. I don't mean a contract clause. I just mean he's on a huge wage relative to the rest of the the squad. It's... uh, I've, you know, I'm, I'm, as I've said so many times on this show, I'm bored with my own thoughts about this. But the people that, like, we were terrible against Feyenoord and like, I saw loads of snarky, oh, see, we're still bad even without Rooney in the team. It's like, yes, all right. What about the hundreds of times Rooney's played terribly now at this point? Maybe not hundreds, but <laughs> tens and tens <laughs> and re- tens of times. history, yeah. Yeah. What about the tens of tens and tens and tens of games where Rooney's been completely shocking? How about that? And, uh, and, and yeah, anyway, he, he was all right in the Manchester Derby. This, this Rooney ire is actually based on his performance against Watford uh, you know he wasn't he wasn't completely dreadful against City and he should have won a penalty like United were really unlucky not to get something out of that game they, they might have been a little lucky to still be in it given how many chances they gave away but in in the end on the balance of 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 uh, I don't know the patterns of play of that game there was no luck to City winning it but on the balance of the minutiae of that game actually mm. City were quite lucky to get three points yeah Mark Klassenberg discuss uh yeah, I mean, I haven't uh, watched loads of it back on television because I had a week off Bleach Report, so I didn't have to, and I couldn't face it doing it for leisure. Um, uh, so I've only seen it from the Stretford end, which has got to be the worst place on the planet to try and decide whether a referee's got a decision against United, right or not. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a few rose tinted glasses there, or red tinted yeah. glasses, aren't oh, there? The funniest thing that I heard in that game was there's a guy standing a few rows behind me who just shouts, "You're letting them pass it round you." And I was like, mate, do you know who the opposition <laughs> manager is? <laughs> it's Pep Guardiola. So, I mean, look, our friend uh, Adam Joseph wrote a piece on uh, on rant after the game, comparing the two sides, you know, man for man, quality for quality. He just had City edging it. Uh, but, you know, I, I think from this point, it's hard not to feel a bit a bit depressed about how good City are at the moment. Uh, not not only just the options and how quickly they've settled into the pattern, but how much more he's getting out of some players. I mean, Kevin De Bruyne, if there's a better player on the planet right now 
than De Bruyne. I'm not sure who it is. You know, he scored one goal, made it look easy, but it was actually a very difficult finish. Hit the woodwork twice in that game. Um, he can play uh, on the wing, through the middle. He's playing in central midfield at the moment. He's he's completely devastating uh, wherever. Silva appears to have found his form again. Inacho scored. We, you know, we wondered whether he'd, he'd play or not, but you know, he scored. W- wasn't brilliant. And and he seems to have got loads out of Raheem Sterling. Worrying, all of it. And and John Stones isn't making mistakes. You know, he's uh, he's suddenly turned into the defender many people thought he could be. Um, uh, yeah, don't like these signs. Uh, and whereas United feel a little bit um, incoherent at the moment. Yeah, I mean, and I think I feel like a lot of that was actually quite predictable. That it's it's not a, none of those things individually are a huge surprise. Oh, Guardiola's getting loads out of John Stones. What a shock! Oh, wait a minute, Raheem Sterling isn't terrible. He just struggled with the pressure of the size of the move and uh, going to a club where Pellegrini was the manager after Pellegrini was completely mentally checked out. You know, none none of this is a, and Guardiola's getting a tune out of David Silva. I mean. None of it's a surprise. And maybe yeah. the speed at which it's happened is a surprise. And maybe just how good they look right now is a surprise. I mean, as the kind of, in terms of the big picture of the season, it is only September. And like, I think City looked really good this time last year as well. I mean, obviously they're not, you would imagine they're not going to have the same kind of collapse, but Guardiola does demand a lot out of them. Yeah. And that it is going to be tough in the winter for them. Uh, but it's going to be tough in the winter for us too. And, and, what Mourinho's done since the Manchester derby is lurch like a kind of punch drunk fighter, really, because Feyenoord, he rested a bunch of players, but played a very high quality team, including a, a midfield three that many of us have been calling for. And United were just, they were just complete love. There was nothing wrong with that team. Like apart from Marcus Rojo is the only player in that 11 that you go, oh, not sure about that. <laughs> is, that is that your reaction? Oh, not sure about that. I, <laughs> yeah, I'm you like, know. what the hell is he still at this club for? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I was, there's a really good article in this month's 442 that I've been thinking about a lot. Um, and it's about how football is a sport to which O-ring theory applies really well. An O-ring theory is um, based on the tragedy of the Challenger shuttle disaster where an O-ring, which is a tiny, like, I think it's like a washer type round thing, that was the part that failed because that hadn't been tested in the right temperature uh, conditions for the Challenger. And that was what led to the whole uh, explosion and loads of loss of life. That's a very serious thing to then transpose to football. But the theory is that football is a sport whereby the the strongest players in the team actually are not the players that bring the most influence to bear on potential results. Football is won by the the team with the strongest weak link. So whoever's weakest link is actually the strongest is likely to uh, to thrive. And I feel like United's last couple of weeks have been defined by O-ring theory. So it doesn't matter how many brilliant players you bring into this side, can't do anything if your weakest link's uh, are not strong enough. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, certainly playing Rojo at left back is going to help nobody. Um, I didn't see the final game at all, so you know, <sighs> g- give me a rundown on what happened. It, uh, it was just horrible. Like nothing United tried came off. They looked, they looked like they had a terrible Manchester derby hangover and, and a load of players that were the front three didn't work at all. Even though. You would have definitely thought it should. I think, I think you kind of. It feels like 
being a bit picky because you're like, okay, what what I think United should do is play a four three three with Schneiderlin, Herrera, and Pogba in the middle, and a front three of like Ibrahimovic in the middle, Rashford and Martial. Say the front three they played against Watford actually, which was probably the most effective part of the team. But he didn't quite do that. He did all of that except on the right. He had he had Rashford up front, Martial on the left, and one matter on the right. And that was just such a bad selection because then Mata becomes the weakest link in the team, not because he's a bad player, but because he's playing out of position and he can't keep up with the pace of those attacks. And so he's always trying to do the kind of artful, crafty thing. But everyone else is kind of just like a bit more uh, high octane than that. Uh, And so the game ends up slightly passing him by. And then, yeah, just Rocco just looked a complete liability and, and we conceded and we're kind of unlucky not to get something in the dying embers of that game. But... Wow, what a frustrating game of football. You did not miss anything. But the switch to 4-3-3, I mean, so Pogba there playing as the attacking of those those three central midfield players. Uh, and we saw that again against Watford, didn't we? So, it, uh, you know, the theory goes, and we've talked about this a lot, that that releases Pogba um, and, and this can get the best out of uh, the United team. It didn't, apparently. No, but it did get more out of Pogba. But then again, you also think, like, this is, again, it feels really picky. But but my idea for how you would construct those three is to play with the uh, triangle pointing backward, as they say, with Schneidlin at the base and Herrera and Pogba somewhat both free to roam. But actually, it was a triangle pointing forward 4-3-3 with Pogba as the sort of uh, pseudo number 10 rather than the left uh, of the left of two number eights, you know. Um, right, which is where he played for Juve so well last season. Mm, absolutely. And and actually, we did get more out of Pogba in the final game. And again, we did get more out of Pogba in the first half against Watford um, until the switch was made to start getting more out of Rooney instead. Mm. Always works that one, don't you think? Yeah, and Pogba, like, oh man, I got, I got so angry. I saw somebody call Pogba lazy after the Manchester derby. And honestly, I had smoke coming out of my ears. I'm like, You're literally talking about one of the fittest human beings on the planet. Like, you, it is impossible to be Paul Pogba and be lazy. Like, he definitely... Yeah. was it Ron Atkinson saying that? It wasn't, but uh, I suspect, like, the, the people are not really uh, analysing where some of those thoughts come from in, in, in a historical context, shall we say. Hmm. Anyway. Yeah, so uh, how was Dirk Coit, 39-year-old Dirk Coit, or however old he is now? I think he said after the game that he was uh, happy for his final friends and for his Liverpool friends. Final fans were singing gloriously small time. I don't believe they're one of those teams that sings You'll Never Walk Alone, but they were singing it because United were in town. Yeah. Uh, it was just a dreadful game of football. Well, um, which the Manchester derby wasn't. The Manchester no, derby was an no, absolutely no. cracking game of football, and I it did. Was, it was a cracking game of football and and very entertaining. It's unfortunate that the uh, the goals went in the wrong end. And yeah. actually, you know, this is a problem because um, seven games United played this season, just the two clean sheets. Mm. Uh, you know, do we need Van Hal back in to coach the defenders? One of those was against Hull, and actually, the game against Southampton was really lucky that it was a clean sheet. You know. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. Mourinho, uh, the Mourinho team that looks completely bereft of organisation, and he's been really reactive too. Because Blint had a bad game against City. I don't know if he actually had a bad game. He made a bad mistake against City. Yeah. Um, and then but that's that, I think that's the thing that always influences my thinking about Blint. Yeah. Because they do come and they come in clutches, and um, and he made a couple of bad mistakes. 
against City, and they they do seem. To, I don't know what the error rate to to goals conceded is with Blint, but it feels high. And that's only <laughs> anecdotal. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and you, you're right. Mourinho was reactive, dropped him straight away. And Smalling came in. Uh, you know, obviously, I didn't see the final game, but he was pretty dreadful against Watford. Smalling, Absolutely. Uh, but by by two. I mean, for Watford's second goal. Um, late in the game, I think Bailly's been turned around like three times. He's missed the challenge, and then he's he's been turned by success twice, um, and got out of position. It was horrible. Yeah, it was the third, wasn't it? That was for the was that the penalty? I think it was. That was oh, worth, for the penalty. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, uh, no, I, I, I mean, it's also not a huge surprise that Blint that Bailly looks better alongside Blint because I think Blint's one of those defenders, isn't he? He's one of those like. He's he's a very cerebral defender, so I'm sure he does a lot so of. He's terrible. He makes he look. He makes his partner look good. That's right. <laughs> that's what you're saying. No, absolutely not. Um, but yeah, that was uh, the final game was a total mess. And talking of total messes, uh, I don't know. I don't even know what to say about that Watford game. I, I've talked a lot, uh, Ed. It's your turn. Tell me what you thought of that Watford game. Oh, I thought it was horrible. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, were terrible for the first half. And, um, you know, we, we, it's like we've talked about Josie being sort of this tactical genius. Um, and, and what for going with three at the back, you're thinking, wow, the football, fullbacks are going to get tons of space here. This, this, uh, you know, and the switch ball from left to right and, and the other way around, um, is definitely on. And, and, uh, all you need is a, just a bit of calmness in central midfield in order to, ah! <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, in order to exploit that. Cause, cause really, you know, United should really have been because you got Jan Matt and Holblas, Holblas who um, push forward as well as the wing backs, and United should have had loads of space behind them, loads, and, and it didn't work like that. You know, what you actually got was in Watford central midfield, tons more energy um, uh, from Berami, Perea, and Kapue, who was very good. Um, and and total incoherence from Fellaini, who doesn't track his man. Uh, when the one time he did track his man, he gave a penalty from Pogba. Who's was he further forward? Was he further back? I mean, it looked like he started the game pushing forward, hit the hit the bar with a great shot at one point, and then Rooney, who's just everywhere and nowhere all at the same time. Um, you know, and there are very few there are very few bright spots from that game, and and I guess. I guess the analysis is clouded by the fact that Watford scored two late goals and it's you know it's three one it's heavy defeat and and you just come off that feeling really bad. But I don't think even up till those two late goals, United were in this game much. You know, um, lots and lots of possession. Always felt like Watford are dangerous and especially from uh, set pieces. My friend Joe before that game sent me a WhatsApp message saying. Could this be the tallest team in United's history? You add up all the heights and divide it by 11. That's That might be the tallest 11 United have ever fielded. And they got really dominated in the air, um, which is very strange. Uh, you got Pogba, Ibrahimovic, Fellaini, Smalling. There's so much height in that team. Um, but yeah, just totally, totally dominated. And they, I mean, they were good. United were really good for 15 minutes after the goal. And that was it. Yeah. That was the only fluid play all day. No, I think that's about right. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about the opening goal because there's some controversy about that. Um, uh, we had uh, Hoddle and Savage on BT going, oh, fair challenge. I was looking at that. I looked about it like 10 times. I'm going, Christ, he's taken both legs. Yes, he's got a toe on the ball. But, you know, are you allowed to like break someone's legs and... Uh, 
and just nick a toe on the ball, it seemed like an obvious foul to me. Mourinho definitely wasn't happy about that in the aftermath. And uh, I guess the damage had been done to Martial with the challenge uh, a few minutes before that. Uh, you know, in, in retrospect, that looks like it's pretty dangerous to have kept him on the, on the pitch, right? I, you know close to a concussion or something like that. Yeah. Um, so a bit unlucky for United there, but, you know, this was this was a head of steam that Watford had been building. You say in retrospect it looked dangerous to keep Martial on the pitch. Did anyone watching that not think it in real time as it was happening? That here was a kid who looked dazed out of his mind. That, that when, I mean, I don't know how not to be a broken record about this, but when is football going to take concussion seriously? Isn't it one of the most important things they should be considering in a moment like that? I don't know, it's really odd. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I guess it's the team doctor's call, right? Um, uh, you know, Mourinho wouldn't wouldn't spark up a fight with his medical team, would he? <laughs> it might just do, might just do. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it wasn't great from Martial up till then. I mean, he was hardly in the game, uh, right? And uh, I guess Young came on for him, looked actually quite bright until he switched uh, right back and... You had this kind of musical chairs situation with the tactics where Pogba started further forward, then went deep, then Rooney was in the hole, sort of. Uh, Fellaini was still the defensive man for, for most of the game, although he wasn't tracking any runners at all. And uh, United changed around their back four. Both fullbacks came off, hint, hint of Van Hull there. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was just total mess. Much, much like my analysis of the game, completely incoherent. No, I think your analysis was a lot more coherent. Actually, it's something we didn't say about the derby because with 15 minutes to go in that, Mourinho went from having gone from four-two-three-one to four-three-three. He then went to three-four-three. Right. Took off Luke Shaw for Martial, um, right at the death, and played an incredibly attacking formation. But actually, it's one of those times where getting another forward player on the pitch somewhat unbalances the team and they were very vulnerable on from that and actually but the the but Pogba looked a bit better for that spell like he was he like looked kind of released and played very far forward for a lot of that and and looked like he might actually have ended up being quite influential and I think people are understandably frustrated because of the size of the transfer fee and the kind of hype around it I don't know how you could expect an awful lot more for him, given how he's being used. Really, that given the team around him, like he, he's not Messi, he's not Ronaldo. That that's not his game. But he he wasn't bought to be that. He's never done those kind of numbers. You know, I think it's eight eight goals and twelve assists in in the league last season. That's not forty and forty, is it? Um, and and. Yeah, he, he needs a team around him and at the moment he hasn't got he one. He does, it, yeah. It's amazing how quickly the honeymoon has just gone crashing down to earth. The first 25, 30 minutes of the Manchester derby and, and August seems like a long, long time ago. August was good, wasn't it? Remember yeah, then? Great. Yeah, enjoyed that. Terrific. Yeah, yeah. Um, true. But I don't think we should panic. Uh, look, just look look at the bench for that game against Watford. You know, apart from Romero, you've got you know decent quality on that bench. United have got a good squad here. Mourinho has a history of of building you know very effective teams. You know, I, I'm certainly not hitting the panic button after three defeats. The the manner of you know how United. Let's dismiss the the derby a little bit because City were just so good for 40 minutes or so. Uh, And there were some positives to come out of that game. Um, You know, you're saying it was horrible against Feyenoord, eight changes or whatever. So we can push that one aside. Watford worried me 
because you know this, this was a team that just didn't look like they'd got what their manager's trying to tell them or he's being very inconsistent in his thinking and and that kind of feels a little bit like that um you know we just need him to make some decisions uh, and and there's a really big one he he definitely needs to make um the big one that you know, shall not speak its name. He's got to go. He's got to go. Not Mourinho. Um, he's, he's, <laughs> Mourinho out. Uh, yeah. You know, at this point, like, I genuinely have got an agenda. Like, at this point, I'm definitely, I am working off an agenda. I won't let it cloud me to the good things he's done. In fact, everyone was screaming for him to be substituted against Watford. And I had a lot of sympathy for that. And internally, I was kind of screaming for it too. And actually, just before Valencia got taken off and Matt came on, Rooney just played an abysmal pass. And I wondered if uh, Mourinho might not just whisper to the guy with the board, actually change that. To number from 25 to 10 but of course he didn't but I understand why you don't take Rooney off because even when he's total garbage he does something good sometimes but the price we are paying to have him in the team is ridiculous I'm not apologising for how I see this anymore it's ridiculous and he'll still have good games sure he'll definitely still have outstanding moments like you said earlier he'll work harder than anyone else on that team and that is a quality to be praised and he'll uh, handle the captaincy respectfully and deal with the referee well and be a positive influence in the dressing room or whatever but he should not be in that team as an automatic starter it's ridiculous yes um uh yeah good run that one yeah. <laughs> an actual <laughs> no, no, rant. i mean you're right look so ibrahimovic rashford and martial better options up front uh you know you got Mata, McTarian, Pogba, better options uh, in the hole. Uh, you've got Rashford, Depay, Young, better options on the left wing. You, you've got you know, McTarian, Valencia, <laughs> better options on the right wing. I mean, you know, so he's, he's going to end up playing deeper and deeper. Um, and, uh, you know, we're going to get into a situation where, uh, you know, despite never being a six and never being an eight, he's going to be a six or an eight and probably more likely the six. Yeah, the uh, not a six, not even an eight lasted five games. Then he started Rooney as an eight. Like quite a strange, uh, strange and speedy turnaround of decision making. You know, I'm not I'm not subscribed to conspiracy theories, but it is very odd how he there's there just appears to be nothing Rooney can do to get himself dropped. Very odd. Uh, anyway, this is cheery, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we've been away for like a week and a half and United have lost three times. I'll tell you one thing I wanted to say about the final game. You know, we had a little chat about where Anthony Martial was playing and I, I somebody from Opta sent me a, a list, a comparative air touch map of where he was playing and it didn't look like he was playing that much deeper this season but I thought of you when we were playing Feyenoord because he was literally picking up the ball behind the halfway line and having to run half the length of the pitch with it every time he got it yeah I mean, yeah, you did I didn't reply to your uh, your tweet on that one yeah I mean it may just be my eyes are deceiving me but it, it definitely he has felt like he's getting the ball deeper uh, and with more men in front of him but uh yeah, I guess he uh, he won't be playing in United's next game, will he? No, not by the looks of um, it. If he's got a head injury. Yeah. Um, I, I'd be surprised if his ankle's totally all right as well after that. I mean, I, I don't mean I'd be surprised. Perfectly fair challenge. What are you talking Good tackle. You <laughs> know... a microscopic toe on it before his, both his legs were smashed. Um, the Rooney situation has reached such a ridiculous point that Robbie Savage is the only one who will go after him. <laughs> like... 
How did it come to be that Robbie Savage is the voice of reason on Wayne Rooney? And Robbie Savage is saying the thing is, you play a 4-3-3, you're getting out the best out of Pogba. Then he switched to 4-2-3-1 to try and get the best out of Rooney. Doesn't look like he knows what he's doing. And he just kept saying, that's an awful pass by Rooney. And it's like, it felt like the he was the kid in the Emperor's New Clothes, kind of pointing in front of all his colleagues, just... who don't seem to be able to get it into their head that Rooney has not been an exceptionally brilliant footballer for years. Yeah, I know. It's um, the the class of 92, uh, you know know how they coordinate their their thinking? Uh, There has been zero criticism Uh, of Rooney, zero. Maybe he's got... They've got a book out. We should have tried to get one of them on the show. I don't know if I could bring myself to talk to any of them at the moment. Apart from Gary, I reckon... Gary or Phil, I could still talk to Phil Neville. The Graham Hunter interview with Phil Neville's really good. Um, by the way, well worth a listen if you haven't. I haven't yet, but uh, I shall I shall go and do it. Two episodes of his uh, podcast. That's good. All right, should we do some, uh, some questions from listeners? Let's do it. Um, Jake... At Bourne underscore and underscore red says, I'd like to see Blint at the base of a midfield three with Pogba and Herrera. Would give a lot of attacking licence for Pogba. Discuss. Adam Joseph Sport says, Would you like to see Daily Blint played in midfield, as some are suggesting? Is, is he an answer? I can't help thinking that Adam knows what you think of that. <laughs> yeah. At Ashwin3 underscore says, Should we consider playing a 4-3-3 formation to better accommodate Pogba and moving him forward every now and again? Of course, four three three would make it a problem to find a place for Rooney. Ergo, not happening. Um, that was that was him, not me. Um, <laughs> the Blint in midfield question. Oh, oh and and I'm going to throw this in for additional chat. At Will Herbert says, "Can, can Timothy Fosu Mensah be our Kante?" Yeah, I have no idea. Uh, it's just to, to discuss the midfield options in general. It's um, midfield options in general do need to be discussed, right? Because it's uh, it's it's definitely the the weakest part of United's team. Oh, I was going to say the back four didn't look very good the other day, did they? Um, <laughs> today, it's the part of the team that hasn't, you know, he hasn't found the right pattern for. He's he's Rooney and Pogba are like two automatic picks all the time. Um, and Fellaini is playing almost every game, so that appears to be the sort of triangle. And and there's a there's some subtleties around who plays furthest forward in that triangle. For me, it's there's too many weaknesses defensively, not enough cover, uh, and compromising Pogba too much. So I, you could solve some of that by removing Rooney from the team and bringing Schneiderlin or Carrick to play as a proper defensive player. But it's not going to solve all the problems. You know, I, I guess in my head, I'd like to see Herrera. Pogba and one of Schneiderlin or Carrick as the best balance. Um, hasn't happened yet. No, I mean, they they did play together. The three of them, well, not Carrick, but the, the other three did play together against Feyenoord and it didn't look that well balanced. But then that was the first time they'd played together and it was the first time the front three had played together and Ibrahimovic wasn't there and Mata was playing on the right of the front three. So you're... You know, you're always like one step away from just seeing the team that you actually want to see. Um, it'd be interesting to see if we ever do, really. But the notion that you play Blint in midfield, I mean, it does make some sense to me that you, you would because he's so good on the ball. And if you play him with Pogba and Herrera, say, there's a ton of energy to cover him. But then, to go back to O-ring theory... Daily Blint's lack of physicality becomes the weakest point of that whole midfield. And 
to me, you'd almost say that actually the whole midfield three might crumble on that. You know, that, that might just be that there isn't that foundation. Um, so maybe you'd be better off with Schneiderlin's less, that you lose a bit of guile, but you, you have less of a, an obvious kind of weak link there in terms of players that opposition players can target and that sort of thing. Uh, and and Fosu Mentor is a fascinating one because I just don't think we know yet, do we? We just don't know yet what he's what he's going to become. But there looks to be tons and tons of potential there. There does, and and yeah, I I couldn't tell you that he's he's going to be a world class defensive midfielder um, just at the moment. Uh, we don't have one in the squad, so I, su- I suppose we're going to compromise uh, whatever the selection there. Blint uh, problem when he plays in central midfield is people just run past him all the time. Uh, so lovely on the ball, and uh, but as soon as anyone's gone beyond him, that's it, he's done. That's what they used to say about Michael Carrick, of course. I mean, they, they were right, but <laughs> that is what they... It is. Um, do you think that Jose is abandoning his usual traits due to how badly things ended at Chelsea? United looked so disorganised, uh, says at Nick Gilbert, 86. Hmm. I don't know if it's Jose abandoning his usual traits. They actually did look disorganised. I'm not sure I could link it to Chelsea, really. I, I would start to worry if Jose turns up, you know, with a full-on beard and looking like he's been dragged through a hedge because that, that was the time you, you thought somebody mentally wasn't quite right with him at Chelsea and, and he looks you know, shaved and smart and, and suitably angry at the moment. I'm, you know, I'm happy with that. I don't think he's lost it yet. No, um, I, that was, I was very heartened not to see him in a tracksuit with a with stubble today, I have to say. I was worried. I mean, as to whether he's abandoned his old kind of principles of, like, well-organised football, that seems very unlikely to me. Uh, and in fact, if you look at the way we lined up against both City and Feyenoord, against Feyenoord, it almost looked like he was trying to get them to practice, not pressing. It almost looked like he was kind of saying, look, right, try and learn some of these lessons from uh, what happened against City and properly sit in those two banks of four deep and don't start to press until they cross a certain line. It almost looked like he was trying to use it as a bit of a training match, which would make sense given he basically said that he didn't want to be in the Europa League. Yeah, yeah, well, right, yeah. I mean, I think we pretty much said the same thing anyway, didn't we? Um, no, look, there aren't going to be too many tears shed if United disappear from the Europa League. Uh, maybe some of the bean counters will worry about the however much money the Europa League brings. It's not very much. Uh, I think if United win the Europa League, they make less than out of a couple of Premier League games. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I'm not worried about Jose changing it up for the Europa League too much, um, except if it has an impact on the fluidity United have got in the Premier League, which is clearly the priority this season. And, you know, not being fluid too much so far. Uh, Andy United says, surely it can't be long until we see the real Mourinho, i.e. the dark side of him. We need it. Uh, I mean, he has already, like turned Bastian Schweinsteiger into some sort of pumpkin. I believe there was a, a story uh, which I only just caught a very slight wind of that Bastian Schweinsteiger's salary is no longer being listed as a first team expense. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it was uh, they wrote off his fee, actually. So, uh, um, so in the accounting, uh, I, I don't know about that characterization of it. So in the accounting, they wrote off his fee um, and, and made a special exception for it. Which is fair enough, because they're not going to get a fee for him now. So and it's, it's usual amortisation of it. But, uh, um, you know, there you go. It's, he's some dead weight, isn't he? He is. I'm sharing this for humour, ladies and gentlemen, because I realise I've already ranted a lot about Wayne Rooney today. But at Rich Chilva says, if you could dump Rooney to train with the kids but had to play Schweinsteiger every game, would you do it? <laughs> like, 
Sean Stegger might genuinely be bring a bit of balance to our midfield. Yeah, but you know he's not going. He he really isn't going to put the same level of effort in, and that ass is big. This is true. At Wormito says, "Can you make the hurt go away?" <laughs> uh, I don't know. Picture Eric Cantona. That might help. And and why are we still? Well, I'm going to just change the language slightly. Why are we still terrible? Asks at Crossy's FA. Well. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm uh, minded to not feel like we're still terrible and to look at the squad depth and look at Mourinho's record and feel like he will hit on the right um, the right answer soon enough, you know? I think it's going to take a little bit of uh, pep-sized big balls to dump a few big names um, and he'll he'll find the right balance. Too many compromises at the moment and he's he's trying to work through those. So I don't I don't know. I don't feel that negative about it, but you know, maybe I'm just still jet lagged or something. I think maybe it's just that you didn't watch the final game. So you've like haven't you've only had to watch two defeats on the bounce, not three. That's it, I've only got sixty six percent of your negativity. <laughs> it'll build up after we get battered by Leicester at the weekend. Uh, this is an interesting theoretical question. Uh, which I think I've got an answer for. At LaFalse number 12 says, would an LVG possession at all costs approach have blunted Manchester City in the derby? It's kind of an interesting question that, and I I think I'm inclined to think that the answer is no, because I think that they would have been better at that game than us, and they've got, they would have had some end product with their possession as well. And I think we did seed possession much too early, much too easily in the first half, but that wasn't about style of play. That was about the performances of Lingard and Mkhitaryan in particular. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, it's not Mourinho's game anyway, is it? So um, I I think uh, Mourinho would have uh, tended towards being much, much more negative if he really wanted to counter City. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not sure that's how United really started. It started poorly, but I don't think it was because United decided to park the bus. Um, and and going for an 80% possession game, it's, it's just not Mourinho's style. He wants players to use the ball in a more direct fashion. I don't mean lo- long balls, but you know, in a more penetrative fashion. And, and I think United will create a lot of chances this season. They've probably taken fewer than they would have liked to. And, uh, and you know, I'm going to bet that Mourinho will be able to get the, the defensive line right. Because he normally does. He just has to make some big decisions. He can't keep doing... Greg Johnson, um, who is the feature editor of Squawker, wrote a really good Facebook post where he said, at the moment, Mourinho's United feels like a football manager save that you uh, start and then realise you're not as into it as you thought you were. So you just play 4-2-3-1, play all the players in their natural position, don't really worry about the rest of it and just hope for the best. And it feels like he, he does need to start making some really big decisions now. Hmm. So, a couple of games coming up. Um, right, yeah. Is it going to get better? I forgot to look up anything about Northampton Town. I'm a bad podcaster. I'm going to that game as well, hopefully. All right, so given a complete absence of preparation, for which I humbly apologise, especially since I've had plenty of time to do it. I've been on holiday, sorry. But given the complete lack of preparation, I guess maybe worth having a conversation about what United are going to do, how United are going to approach the League Cup this season. In Mourinho's first season at Chelsea, he really prioritised the League Cup. It was the the start of the uh, the start of the winning habit. I can't quite see him doing that at this time at United. No, I mean he he's going to change it up completely. Surely, you know, there will, will, we should get to see a few of the younger players and definitely all the fringe players. 
Um, you know, that's uh, I'm, I'm sure, certain, hundred percent certain. That's that's what's going to happen. We'll see whether it's coherent or not. Northampton, um, yeah, sorry, I'm going to go Shearer on this one. I, I don't know a lot about them. The arrogance of Premier League uh, fans. The problem we don't watch League One. Uh, Rob Page is the manager. I do kind of remember him. Played a very long time at Watford and and for Wales. Um, so. Uh, there you go. We should batter them, right? I've just looked this up on Wikipedia and I'm annoyed I didn't just go over my instinct because I was going to say, I'm pretty sure their nickname is the Cobblers and I've just looked it up and their nickname's the Cobblers. So I do, in fact, know something about Northampton. Cobblers. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah, well, you'll be enjoying Sixfield Stadium, won't you? They were formed in 1897 after a meeting between the town school teachers and local solicitor AJ Darnell. There you go. Uh, Google tells me they're currently 11th in League One and they've just beaten Warsaw yesterday. Yeah, I mean, oh, no, they got promoted last, last season, so, you know. This is uh, this is a team that uh, United should be able to field youngsters and uh, fringe players and beat them. And then again, we've had a few negative results in this competition over the last few years, haven't we, playing that one? Uh, uh, Milton Keynes indelibly burned into my mind. Yeah. Uh, we shouldn't get that this time, now, should we? Well, I guess it depends because, like, you say youngsters... But other than Fosu Mensa, um, there isn't anyone in the first team squad. Uh, I mean, Rashford doesn't, you can't count him as he started in the Premier League. Can't count him as a youngster in that sense. Um, obviously, he is young, but he's he's clearly an established member of the first team rotation. Uh, so th- there aren't any other kids in the first team picture. And a lot of the most promising kids are obviously on loan. So is he going to dip into the res- I tell you what, he should just play Angel Gomez because that kid is going to be Lionel Messi in three years' time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he can't stop scoring in the reserves, can he? So, um, uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, we, I guess we'll see a change in goal, won't we? Romero or Johnson, which one? Uh, Sam Johnson's hardly a youngster. He's about 90, isn't he? Uh, yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be Romero, I'm sure. Um, I guess, is Damian even fit? It? Will we see him? Yeah, he played against Feyenoord. Right, right. He played yes, against Feyenoord. He and he put in like good cross after good cross. It was very odd indeed. I was uh, I was confused. I, I was going to say... We, he was we, quite good actually, generally. We could see Phil Jones, but of course we won't because he's injured again. Uh, poor old Phil Jones. So maybe we see Marcus Rojo. Yeah. Will, will Axel Tunzebe... He didn't go on loan, did he, Axel Tunzebe? So he's he's still hanging around. So uh, we might get to see him. He's still very, very young as well, isn't he? So um, I'd, that would be really nice, actually. That would be the maybe the one the one that you would say from the the younger crop at the moment that, that you would most want to see given a full a first-team game. I'd like to see Fosu Mensah in the team. Fosu Mensah and Tunzebe, I'll be happy. Um, but you know he played Pogba against Feyenoord which was a massive surprise Uh, I can't imagine he'll do that here but I also you know if you look at that squad he he can't really play an 11 of players who are entirely fringe players Uh, so there's going to be there's going to be some first teamers in the the squad I wonder if he'll he might give Memphis a start Um, Memphis who was terrible when he came on as a sub in Holland Poor lamb. Poor lamb, yeah. It doesn't look like it's going to happen for him at United, does it? No. Uh, Joe Devine wrote a really good column for you, Max. It, the headline was just whether you like it or not, Memphis United's career is over. And uh, I think he's a very talented player and I think he it's somewhat unfortunate concatenation of circumstances, but... I just don't see how it's going to take something of a miracle at this point. Uh, well, maybe that'll come against Watford. Hat trick coming up. Watford, Northampton. 
North End, just a little bit further north than Watford. Um, uh, maybe, maybe he starts and scores a blistering hat-trick and it kick-starts his United career and he's in the team as Champions Leicester come to Old Trafford next weekend. Yeah, I mean... Looking forward to this one? Uh, I don't know, I was... I'm scared now because I've started started looking forward to United games again. Even with the the derby, kind of thought, ah, it's the derby. That's and then Feyenoord, like you said, loads of changes. You know, it's understandable. Though actually, it was a really quite a strong eleven. Um, but then, so I was really looking forward to the Watford game, thinking, yeah, we'll get back and it'll be great. So now I'm a bit like, uh, don't know if I feel confident looking forward to a game uh, at this point. They've Leicester have been struggling a bit, haven't they? Uh, not not a big surprise. Beat Burnley this weekend. Had a very good result in the Champions League against uh, Bruges, didn't they? You know. Well, I mean, can you call it a very good result against Bruges, the team that Memphis Depay scored a brace against? Uh, true, but you know, it's their first ever Champions League game, and they won. Um, absolutely battered by Liverpool, though, and that that you know that's kind of one of those results that you go, hmm, yeah, maybe the wheels will come off Leicester. So they're in mid-table at the moment. Sure, only five games gone in the season, so I guess we don't uh, they don't panic just yet. But um, not not quite the same team we saw at the back end of the last season that was uh, scrapping out one nil wins every week. Yeah, it was kind of inevitable, and and just in pure football terms, losing Kante is massive, isn't it? Like. It's obviously very important to so much of what they did, but Mares Mares hit form again in the Champions League, and so that's that's a big thing. And you know, the the game at Old Trafford was interesting last season. It was one of the games that United were kind of most up for in a way. Uh, we were really chasing down the Champions League spot, and also I think probably just didn't want them to win the league at Old Trafford, and they got a one-one draw. But I just, I find it impossible to predict. I would have felt so bullish and confident if this game was just before the international break. But now I feel like United are a bit shell-shocked and and that Watford game has me concerned about how quickly Mourinho is going to be able to turn that shell-shock around because you would have thought he'd have been the perfect man to have at the helm after the, the City and Feyenoord losses to kind of mm. get the team focused and back. But instead he played it, he put a very sort of a horribly kind of unbalanced team out that the midfield was a kind of massive compromise and hodgepodge and if he does that again I wouldn't feel of course I wouldn't be surprised if United won but I wouldn't feel super confident about it that's for sure yeah I mean the last few games we played against Leicester I mean obviously beat them in the community shield with that uh, fine goal from now outcast Jason Lingard but the, the two games last season were were super tight weren't they you know and uh and you wonder whether um, Leicester will just be able to crank up their quality a little bit for for this one. They've, they've you know, they got battered, but really battered by Liverpool, and obviously lost that game on the opening season to Hull, and it kind of derailed them. They had that sort of right, slightly unfortunate nil-nil draw with Arsenal as well. Not quite found the season yet. You know, maybe this is a game for them to do it. Although, you know, they're playing Chelsea in the League Cup this week. And they've got a very small squad, so I guess they'll they'll make a few changes, but it's not exactly Northampton, is it? And then they've got the home game against Porto on the Tuesday night um, to come up, and that's obviously going to be a big, big focus for Leicester. So there's a few distractions around there that... that uh, might play into United's hands. So maybe we'll just catch Leicester on an off day and scrape a 1-0. <laughs> <laughs> well, you look, this is clearly, this is not the Leicester of last season. We, we always knew that was a freak. Uh, I would be surprised if they finish in the top six. And I think that's fine, you know. It's, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, so this is, this is 
take away the fact that they're champions, this is a game that um, United, uh, in um, more fluid mode, you'd want to win. But uh, we're not that fluid at the moment, are we? Yeah, that's the thing. The, the my lack of confidence about this game isn't really about Leicester. It's about United. Um, because this has just been a really horrible week and a half of football. There have been some good spells. There was a very good 15 minutes in the second half of the derby. And they also they showed a great deal of kind of spirit and, and willing and all those kind of things. And like, at the end of that game... Uh, I I think I tweeted this out saying, you know, I've spent three years saying not even bother, that bothered whether we win or lose, just want to see us playing kind of the right way in the right spirit. And there definitely was that in the derby. So yeah. I couldn't feel too downhearted about that. But Feyenoord and Watford have knocked the wind out of my sails. They really have, uh, especially Watford. Because uh, Feyenoord, you could write it off as the Europa League. But that 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 game shows how important it is to not take these kind of midweek distraction games too lightly because you do winning breeds winning and losing breeds losing and we need to we need to turn this around it's a it's a really important couple of games i would even say that the game against northampton is actually quite important because i think a, a an embarrassing loss could could be could have quite a nasty knock on effect it's all about the narrative isn't it yeah it is. So, um, predictions for this week? Uh, I'm going to go with a 3-0 win against Northampton and a 2-1 win against Leicester. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, actually, to be fair to you, Ed, you said uh, you're not that down about United. So this hasn't been an hour of like moaning about how rubbish we are and then predicting two wins because you haven't actually moaned about how rubbish we are. But I have, and I'm going to predict two wins. <laughs> Um, uh, I don't think it's going to be three. I'll go for two, one, a scrappy win at Northampton. Um, and now I'm going to go for a draw against Leicester because that's what I think it's going to be. I think a one all draw. All right. All right. Fair enough. You know, um, so it's been a terrible week, but it's going to be a good week coming up. We think maybe possibly. Uh, I don't I don't know that I think it is to be honest I hope it is but I really thought we'd turned a corner I really did think we'd we'd turned a big corner um and it turns out that we turned that corner and ran into a steam train that was coming in the other direction which is a bit unfortunate so we really need to pick ourselves up and dust ourselves off and turn another corner without a train hidden around it. Very true. Well, I guess that's it for this week. Um, I wasn't that negative, was it? No, you weren't. No. Well, you know, we'll, we'll see where we go after this one. Uh, if, if you like lose twice, the pressure will be on Mourinho. Yeah, I mean... Uh, we'll be calling for David Moyes <laughs> once again to come and save us. I did, did briefly cross my mind earlier today. What would happen if it doesn't work out with Mourinho? Wayne Rooney will be manager. That, that re- <laughs> Give it Giggsy to the end of the season. Yeah, still not found a job yet, Giggsy. I, I guess he'll get one soon. Uh, all right, that's it from uh, from me and you for this week. Uh, I'm at United Rant on Twitter. Paul is at UTG Rancast. You can find us on other social media platforms where uh, we make very little effort, including Facebook and Google+. Plus which apparently still exists. Um, uh, we are on uh, patreon.com forward slash rankcast if you want to back us. Many of you have. Thank you very much. And coming up shortly for those of you who have is a, a special 
15-minute or so segment on uh, music, I think you said, Paul. Yeah, we're going to talk about some albums that we love, uh, which will hopefully cheer us up and act as a palate cleanser. And, uh, yeah, the the Patreon helps to keep the show going. It helps to keep the show ad-free, pays producer Tom for the fantastic work that he does. And uh, you can sign up at patreon.com slash rankcast if you want a bit more content right about now. Oh, playout track this week is a special one. Um, massive friend of the Rankcast, Awate, one of the two original friends of the Rankcast, in fact, has got new music out. Uh, check him out on Spotify, on uh, iTunes, on wherever you get your music from, and check him out on Twitter at Awate91. That's A W A T E. He's on tour with Loki um, around the country at the moment, so see if he's playing near you. If hip hop is your bag, you should definitely check it out because it's amazing and it sounds like this. <laughs> 